0: It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Welcome to Highly Disputed. My name is Dylan Bishop. And with me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan?
1: Uh, our, our long national nightmares are over. The, our, the quarterbacks are moving. The carousel is spinning in the AFC. And and people are landing where we kind of thought they'd, they'd land all along.
0: Yeah, I considered just opening up the show, just screaming at the top of my lungs. But instead, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce our guest, and perhaps he will scream uh, at the top of his lungs, like uh, or maybe he he did when the news broke on Thursday before the draft. Uh, Noah Hose of for the flock, the Ravens YouTube channel, uh, and also my cousin. And, uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> like like, just i've I've known this man's like we are what six months apart and yes sir so it was literally like the closest cousin i had growing up and he also happened to go to school with ryan for uh intermediate school and a year of high school so <laughs> it's a real wild connection here and noah just happens to have a youtube channel where he talks about the Ravens pretty much every day. Do you uh, upload you upload a video at least almost every day? Not, yeah, man,
2: I try to do daily. Sometimes I'll take a day off here and there, but uh try to be consistent.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he's he's got an impressive following over there and uh, we had to get the crossover. I did a episode uh, a video with him doing a seven round Ravens mock draft and talking about Lamar right, bef- right before he signed, like literally like 5 days before he signed. Yep and about the Ravens in general and we'll kind of get into hit into some similar things here but I mean as Ryan mentioned the big thing on Thursday afternoon right before the draft Lamar Jackson finally signed a contract extension with the Ravens and I mean it kind of played out the way that we talked about on this show and on Noah's channel and Eventually, it just kind of came down to one side. Finally, th- there was an impasse, and we finally got we finally got past it. Uh, two years for two hundred and or excuse me, five years, two hundred and sixty million dollars total. And let's see if I look up. Do not you know the uh, the guarantees off the top of your head. I think it's one hundred and thirty five guaranteed uh-huh. signing. And I don't think yep. we actually know the total guarantees yet. I'm
2: seeing what I'm seeing is $185 million guaranteed for injury guarantees. No, I think you're so. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's the second highest guaranteed contract ever behind Deshaun Watson. I just think the Ravens were not willing to go to the Deshaun Watson level. They really did not want to tap into that realm in which they set a precedent, you know, for the rest of the owners around the league to kind of go down the fully. Guaranteed contract rabbit hole, but it looks like it's $185 million uh, in total guarantees whenever you tack on the injury guarantees and whatnot.
0: Yeah, so I'm seeing, uh, I meant to, this is the tweet I was finally looking for. Sarah Ellison put all this stuff together. Uh, good Raven for Porter, for uh, Blue Wire Pods, and whatnot. has a good podcast, The Vault, uh, that she does. Good Raven stuff there. Peter King and Mike Florio gave some extra details. It is 135 fully guaranteed at signing, second most behind Deshaun Watson. Two million more than what was reported the Ravens offered in September. 185 in injury guarantees. Still looking for total guarantees, cap hit structure, the cash flow, signing bonus, and all that. Uh, Peter King, or excuse me, Mike Florio added on that the NFLPA was assisting Lamar earlier in the process, but the union, quote, ultimately wasn't involved in the discussions that culminated in the deal. So uh, there's a lot of places that we can go with this. Uh, I'll open it up with you, Noah. Just, it finally happened.
2: Dude, I had you on the channel, and I asked you your opinion, what was going to happen. And you said, I think that... Uh the Ravens and Lamar are going to get this thing done. And I told everyone that was watching, I said, there, there you guys have it. Dylan said it. It's going to happen. <laughs> and then we started to get these little subliminal messages. Uh Justina Anderson posted out a little tweet and, uh, you know, put out the little contract emoji, put out the little clock emoji. And I was like, what, what's going on here? And then I saw OBJ uh, put something out, you know, and then, and then Lamar Jackson posted the SpongeBob gif which just what a way to you know to go and drop a little message there i love that and i remember i was sitting on the floor playing with my three-year-old son my one-year-old daughter i had just gotten off work and i looked out of my phone and i see the ravens and lamar jackson have reached a contract extension in principle and my heart started pounding and i gave out a big. i was like Whoa! And I went, I, my wife was like, what is going on? Why are you screaming? And I'm like, you don't understand the, Raven, the Ravens and LeBar finally, this thing, this thing has been brewing for years, man. And it's caused so much division throughout the fan base. It finally happened. And, you know, all everything was good within the Ravens Twitterverse. All the fans were finally happy again. And everything was was how it should be, right? This should have happened years ago. Um this is something that we've been wanting for years and, and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson finally made it happen. And uh, it now it's just so, it takes so, so much of a weight off of the shoulders of the franchise. It feels like, okay, now we can really get to work. Now we can add other free agents. We can look at, tr- you know, trade um, possibilities for other players. You, you see where your cap is at and it's just done. You know who your quarterback is, the most important position on your roster is locked in now, and uh, you're in a really good spot heading forward. And, um, you know, for the people out there, the naysayers that, oh, you know, the Ravens overpaid for Lamar, man, just don't don't forget what the man can do on a football field. And don't forget that there's going to be two guys immediately after Lamar Jackson, like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, who are probably going to say, you know what, I want that or more. So, and, and as the NFL has reached some new – um, you know, network deals and with with their television um, partners and everything, the the salary cap is only going up, so I'm not too worried about as far as you know how the Ravens are able to build around Lamar. The Ravens are excellent at drafting and bringing in cheap young talent, so I think we'll be just fine. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we've been talking. You know, <laughs> it's really ramped up in recent months, obviously, but. You know, even going on a year plus, just you know, talking about Lamar's value, and whenever he does hit that market, it's he's gonna have to be the top paid guy. Mm-hmm. The Deshaun Watson thing obviously threw a huge wrench into that, and I think that's that's kind of what really held this up at the end of the day, because um, understandably Lamar would say, "Well, I'm better than Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I'm I, yeah. I do a lot more winning than he does, then I should be paid like him." And obviously, that contract is. A complete outlier. Um, you've seen other quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts get paid since then. I mean, he was in a Super Bowl and, you know, obviously he's not getting those Deshaun Watson numbers, particularly the guaranteed numbers. Um, it was just kind of <laughs> unbelievable to this day. Um, yes. insane. There was never a moment where that made sense, especially considering everything surrounding him. Um, it was just a Browns players. move, man. Yeah, the Brown Browns Barry. are the Browns.
2: You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's
1: it's always gonna happen. And so um, you know, since since the offseason started, I think we've kind of been in agreement, especially since you saw the the owners and other franchises come out and allegedly, you know, not be interested in Lamar for whatever reason, uh, mm-hmm. through through trade. And then, you know, obviously he big price tag if they were to 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 trade for him and and have to maybe sign him and give up draft picks. Uh, so at that point it was like, well, you know, he did request a trade from the Ravens, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're just gonna have to work this out, you right. know. And I, I, I was really wondering how long it would drag out. This is probably a little faster resolution than I expected. I thought we might reach a point, you know, we hit training camp and it'll be a, will he play
2: on the tag? Will he? Yeah. Not? But that's they, what the entire fan base was hoping would not happen. Yes, yes. And um, so it's just amazing to see that they got this thing done this early in the offseason. Because now you can really, you can look at, you know, the other positions on your roster. And, you know, the, the details haven't come out yet as far as what the cap hit's going to be um, this year and next year. Uh, but I have a feeling the Ravens are going to be pretty aggressive this year. And I think they're going to try to, Um, the original cap hit for the tag was, what, 33 is what we were looking at?
0: Yeah, 32, somewhere at 30, 32 32?
2: Okay. So I'm thinking it'll be somewhere between uh, 15 to, to 20, maybe even a little bit lower, because, um, you know, the Ravens just brought in Rakia on a $6 million deal. We know, you know, the Ravens brought in OBJ, but there's still some more flexibility um, that I think they want to have if they want to make a big-time splash trade. And I've said this before on my channel, I think that, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens went after, um, a high profile, um, veteran at a position. I don't know if it would be at the edge position or corner thinking somewhere on defense where they, they might just put all the chips on the table, um, with this, this year, especially the the flexibility to have Lamar's cap hit a little bit lower.
0: I, th- I think that's a great point. Uh, and they they're now past this draft where they didn't have a second round pick. So they can go into this season, uh, working with a full slate of picks to possibly trade with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, now they've obviously they've shored up. that sort of outside number two corner with Rocky Sin, like we kind of expected them to, uh, they have the number three corner that they could, they could roll with who they have. They could potentially look into re-signing Marcus Peters, Right. Uh, they could, you know, they'll probably look into bringing back Justin Houston, or at least I hope they would. Uh, they haven't really replaced Calais Campbell yet, so there's mm-hmm. some stuff they could go into that. Uh, will they just roll with it? They have at left guard. Otherwise, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty complete team. And in terms of Lamar's contract, you might say, well, what changed? You know, what happened to where we finally got something done? And the answer pretty, seems to just pretty obviously be, Jalen Hurts got paid. Yeah. And basically, Lamar and the Ravens both saw that deal. And the Ravens, uh, wh- whichever side came to the ball, came to the table first after that deal and said, Hey, give me a little more than that and we're good.
2: Yeah. They, yeah, yeah I think that's a great point. Um, Eric DaCosta said that he got a text from Lamar Jackson. He said that he was, uh, he had just watched, I think, the, the Celtics game. And that they, that they lost, and he was in a dark spot, and he got a text from Lamar saying, hey, I think we can make something happen. And I think it's a great point because um, I think Lamar, looking at what Jalen Hurts got, can say, okay, Jalen Hurts just took his team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, say what you want about their talent differential. You know, some guys will be more towards Hurts, or some guys will be more towards Lamar. Jalen did some great things last year, but – um if you, you know, compare them statistically, the Ravens can say, hey, man, you know, Jalen just took his team to the Super Bowl. Can you know, I'm willing to pay you more than this guy. And the other thing that I think could have been a big factor is had they noticed that this was anapt- announced on draft day and it happened before the draft. Is it possible that Eric told Lamar, hey, brother, we... uh"? You're making us look at other quarterbacks. You know, I, I don't want to look at other quarterbacks, but you're kind of forcing my hand here, man. Um, you know, I'm not rolling out if someone falls to us at 22 that we're going to take them. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's crazy. We You know, we saw Will Levis drop into the second round. Could the Ravens have been, you know, if Lamar was truly adamant that he wasn't playing for the Ravens and that he wanted traded, could we have seen the Ravens draft their next guy? You know, so I thought it was very – key that it got done before the draft and uh, and also a, a report came out that Eric Takasa said that he was willing to match pretty much whatever was offered, that he was willing to match whatever another team uh, could get, as, get Lamar Jackson to agree to.
0: Right, and that was probably a big reason why no other team went and gave him an offer because they didn't want to essentially do the Ravens negotiating for them and then uh, there's I thought it was an interesting point that Mike Florio came in with today yeah. to say that the NFL PA was not involved in the culmination of the deal. And it, it goes to something that Eric DaCosta said where he would essentially he would talk to Lamar and he would have a good conversation with him about the contract. They would feel like they were making progress. He would leave, you know, Lamar would leave the room. And the next time he talked to Lamar, it was like something completely changed. Right. And that goes to along with the idea that the NFLPA was pushing for Lamar to get a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. And I'm sure Lamar also wanted one. It wasn't just, you know, some manipulation tactic. Like we talked about before, the NFLPA has the incentive to make sure that uh, – every play, the Lamar gets as much money as possible because that'll set the, the market for every other player in the league. Right. So it's not, it's, so there's interest involved there. Like a, an agent at some point would have stepped in and said, hey, maybe just take the deal you've gotten. But I think once Jalen Hurts didn't get that fully guaranteed deal, Lamar and perhaps maybe the NFLPA uh, said to themselves, all right, if, you know, you get a lot of guaranteed money, not a fully guaranteed one. It's just not going to happen, which is just kind of what we've been saying on here that, yeah, you know it might have even if Lamar had sat out some games, I'm not sure he was going to get a fully guaranteed contract, which it is what it is. it's it sucks that you can't get a guaranteed fully guaranteed contract. I mean, every contract in the NBA is fully guaranteed. It's not even a it's not even a question. That's just built right. into their CBA, but it's not built into the NBA the NFLs. So it sucks. It's just not how it is right now. The players, I'm sure, will during the next CBA agreement uh, look into stuff like that. But
2: yeah, I mean, at that point, Lamar just didn't have a leg to stand on, you know. And yeah. the NFLPA, they they could have saw that as well. But it is, I will say, it's progress because I mean it was more guaranteed money than every other quarterback than besides Deshaun Watson, and then it just sets the bar a little bit higher. As quarterbacks continue to get paid, especially some of these higher-caliber talented guys, is I think you'll see the bar start to get set a little bit higher and higher until more percentage of the contract starts to become fully guaranteed. Yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. I mean, I think um, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to have to see the guaranteed money be collectively bargained versus uh, negotiated in these contracts. Yeah. Um, I, I just – again no clue what the browns were doing there or 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 why why they felt they needed to right um but that's not it's just not going to be a trend and i think if that were something the players really wanted and felt strongly about we probably would head to a lockout because i think that is a huge huge deal yeah especially in, in a league where you know the, the injuries are big um but at the end of the day i mean the the non-guaranteed monies is really hurting kind of the little guys the the lower middle end of the spectrum i guess talent wise um because i mean the, the big guys are making their big bucks yeah. they might lose out on a few million here and there depending but um that's that's going to be interesting um going into the next cba i'm not sure when that is but it's just something to look out for because i mean this is clearly yeah. been a trend here the last few months but Um, I do have two more things on the Ravens, uh, real quick here, uh, on the Lamar situation specifically, I would say one, um, they, they did kind of galaxy brain themselves into paying him more money. (laughs) First off, I mean, if they'd done this a year or two ago, they avoid, uh, the whole Deshaun Watson kind of wrinkle to things with the guaranteed money. Right. And also just the way these deals work in terms of value versus the salary cap you could have given Lamar his asking price a year and a half ago and he would have been happy and you probably would have saved yourself about 40 million, $30 million in the process. So yeah. um, I don't yep. want to give a ton of credit to them, but you know, they did get it done. Um, and then on the, the other hand, it's, it's funny. They've kind of worked this in reverse where you see teams, um, you know, if you want to look at the, the chiefs and then the Eagles to an extent, where they've, they have had these great quarterbacks on rookie deals and really spent a ton of money around them uh, to make things work. We found that that's been a really efficient way to to win in recent years if you can have that good rookie quarterback contract and spend the money around them. And then, obviously, you have seen the Chiefs lose a guy right. like Tyree Kill maybe over some, some money issues, and um, they're kind of patchworking that around that great quarterback and making that work. But the Ravens had the rookie deal, and – have just not really invested much of anything on their offense. But now as soon as they sign Lamar, it's like, well, here's, here's OBJ. We're going to give him some money. And here's a first round draft pick wide receiver. Yes. They've completely done this the opposite way you would expect a team to do so.
0: Right. Yeah. That's kind of the other way that you can look at what Lamar was doing is not, I mean, he got his money eventually, but also kind of reworked the entire identity of the offense in the process whether that was his intention or not, until the very end, when he apparently made that request of, you know, I'll, we can start talking when you guys get Odell and or DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. So it kind of made it to the point where now you don't have Greg Roman. Now you have an offensive coordinator who likes to spread the ball out, pass the ball, something that will probably a lot more closely resemble what he ran under Bobby Petrino at Louisville. And now he's got Odell. Hopefully he'll have healthy Rashad Bateman. And then he also drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. That can kind of be our transition into talking about the draft that just happened uh, six days ago. Uh, Zay, now you've got a really scary offense with a, guy, a lot of guys you can put out in space where 11 personnel is actually a very good thing for your team to be running. Yes. So – That's great. Now you've got Devin DuVernay as your number four receiver, which is where he probably should be. Nelson Aguilar is number five, which he probably should be. And (laughs) you've got Andrews and Isaiah Likely and Bateman and Odell and Zay Flowers and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And, you know, maybe you throw in Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell, perhaps, with uh, with some of the running backs that they've uh, added on the back end in undrafted free agency. And a good offensive line. They didn't really replace Ben – Uh, powers with anyone on the outside but they've got guys like ben cleveland to perhaps step in yeah and so it's a really great offense and rocky sin kind of patches up that last little hole on on the defense and work we got a stew going baby
2: yeah i agree man (laughs) this is definitely one of the most talented ravens rosters i've seen in a long time and going kind of back to what you were talking about with you know Lamar Jackson on his rookie deal, it felt like the Ravens, you know, they always spend to their salary cap. So it's not like they weren't going all out. They just weren't going all out for Lamar Jackson on the offensive side of the ball. And I think a lot of that is due to this, i this perceived identity that they feel that they have to fulfill uh, as a franchise, because we saw them, they went out and traded for Calais Campbell. They paid him a bunch of money, traded for Marcus Peters, paid him a bunch of money, um, other guys on defense, right? We've seen him recently trade for Roquan Smith and make him the highest-paid linebacker in the NFL, but they just weren't willing to do that for an offensive player. So – and I I looked back. I thought it was funny because in 2019 when Lamar Jackson won the MVP, um, on the Ravens' depth chart heading into that year, Willie Sneed was the wide receiver one.
0: So (laughs) –
2: Disgusting. (laughs) Just absolutely insane. The ship that we're now going to see, this will by far – be the most talented group um, of pass catchers that Lamar Jackson has ever had around him in his career. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying, Dylan, with 11 personnel, it's going to it's gonna create major problems for defenses. And I'll tell you why. Whenever we start to go to some of this more of 11 personnel, maybe even some empty, and we start to spread out some teams, um, Todd Munkin was talking about how he wants to do tempo. He wants to uh, spread teams out. And – what that's going to do is that's going to spread out the defense, right? They're going to have to put more DBs out on the on the uh, perip- perimeters of the field, and whenever Lamar Jackson drops back, there's going to be less junk in the middle of the field. If he sees a lane that he likes, it's going to be it's going to be scary hours um, for him to take off as a scrambler versus the designed run game stuff that we saw with Greg Roman, because that's the most dangerous part of Lamar Jackson's game is whenever everything's covered downfield and I have, you know, maybe I have five verts going streaking downfield uh, in a lot of space, then all of a sudden I got Lamar Jackson, one of the most talented players in the NFL, with the ball in his hands with a lot of space to work with. That's why I'm so excited to see, you know, this eleven personnel shift.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the question now is, you know, Patrick Queen, they declined his fifth year option. Uh, will he play out the year? Will he request a trade? Will you know? Will they? I, I assume if he were to request a trade, it probably would have happened by now. But you never know what happens yeah. if they try to get into uh, contract negotiations as they get in through the preseason, through the beginning of through the regular season. Who knows? But uh, they, they've shaped up pretty well with the and now they've. It's a lot of it's. It's they've shown effort in the passing offense now two two first round wide receivers in the last 3 years and a 15 million dollar a per year contract to Odell Beckham. Yeah. to go along with with Mark Andrews. So
2: you know I was thinking about it we got four first round wide receivers now. Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers and I believe Nelson Aguilar with the first round pick as well. I think you're right. Yeah. I think back in back in with the Eagles or I think it was.
0: But yeah. but yeah, yeah, I think that can be our transition into uh, talking about the draft now that the, the Lamar the Lamar cloud is finally lifted off of mm-hmm. our heads. And man, that was that, that didn't go as I, as I expected.
2: <laughs> it, right. uh,
0: there was a lot of rumors leading up to the draft that the Texans just weren't going to take a quarterback. And there's still part of me that thinks that that was that was the, the idea. That they were just, you know, what if we, you know, we stay at number two, we can get a quarterback later, maybe number 12, uh, this or that. And then at some point they said, what if we just trade up the number three and we can get Will Anderson and our quarterback? Yeah, because there was there was this idea that came out. It wasn't necessarily that they didn't like C.J. Stroud. There was no quarterback past Bryce Young that they were all unanimous on. Right. But they ended up picking CJ Stroud, number two, trading up with the Cardinals to number three, getting Will Anderson, which it was, that was what they should have done the whole time. They should have just called up the Cardinals two months ago and said, Hey, give us number three. But they ended up with, to me, the best quarterback in the draft and the best defensive player, which is, kind of insane after uh, Bryce Young went number one to the Panthers, Anthony Richardson, number four to the Colts, not Will Levis. Like everyone kind of heard all the noise about Will Levis (laughs) drops out of the first round entirely to go to the Titans in the second round. Yes. I
2: was surprised by that. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah. So it ended up being pretty clear that, well, there was people who said, if it's not the Colts for Will Levis, we have no idea who it is. So, but there was all the noise of like, well, he could go number two to the Texans. His agents were blowing a lot of smoke up of a, uh, a lot of people basically. And yeah. Seahawks at number five went with Devin Witherspoon corner instead of Jalen Carter, instead of quarterback lions traded down Cardinals trade up number six Paris Johnson. And then so on and so on. Uh, Ryan, I'll go to you first. What did what did you think about draft night on uh, on Thursday last week?
1: I appreciated the Texans just kind of going for it there. I mean, what do you have to lose as a franchise? In all honesty, I mean they have just been dreadful for <laughs> what feels like a decade now. I mean, even with Deshaun Watson there, I mean, what they got a you know playoff game or two, like that that franchise needs something right now. I mean, they are in the gutter, so to get, like you said, and, and I agree with you, the best best quarterback, best defender like that. Um, you have the guy on each side of the ball now. Um, if you can be smart otherwise, <laughs> which for the Texans might be a big ask, um, get some good role players around them. I mean, I don't see why in a year or two they can't, you know, be in a position to maybe, you know, fight for a wild card or something. I mean, I, I feel like they're still really long ways off. But to see a team really go for it like that, I mean get two picks up there. Um, I love that. Uh, Will Levis dropping was really funny to me. No hate toward him. It was just kind of funny. And then the Mayonnaise in the, the coffee is what did it, man. It, yeah, I'm telling Mayo Scare away. teams it's, away. It's just ridiculous. Um, surprised he fell that far. I think once we got – it was really, I think, Anthony Richardson got drafted um, to the Colts. Because, yep. I mean, I, you know, I think we talked on here. I mean, Will Levis to the Colts just kind of felt like something that was meant to be. Yeah. Like an Ursae guy. Yeah. And it, once that didn't happen, I figured, okay, well, he'll he'll probably slide here. I don't know where he's going to fall to exactly, but um, I guess he's not going to be, you know, certainly not this, this top five. Um, and then all the way to the second round to the Titans. <laughs> and uh-huh. the, the Titans have no clue what they're doing. Like I know Malik Willis was a kind of a, you know, they drafted him. He's a bit of a project, but to then turn around and, now you're picking another quarterback. Like that franchise is very much in disarray. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I truly don't know what's happening there, but that was weird to me. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, Steelers solid draft. I mean, this on paper, probably the Steelers' best draft in probably five, six years. Um,
2: yeah, they did have just, a very nice draft. They yeah, they
0: kind of they did exactly what I thought they would do in the first round, which was trade up for a tackle. And in my mock draft, I had it as being Broderick Jones, and that's kind of what ended up happening. I didn't uh, predict them
1: uh, getting Joey Porter Jr. though at
0: the first pick of the second round, which is really nice
1: for them. Yeah, I mean they were they were fielding calls obviously um, having that first pick of night two. Um, you know they had the full day to kind of field calls there, see if anybody wanted to trade up. But I think at the end of the day. Um, Joey Porter Jr., I mean, that's just too too good of a fit for them. Uh, they've been desperate for for a really good um outside corner for years now. Um, they've had some, you know, some nice pieces to fill in. I mean, Joe Hayden had some good years, but I mean they need some good young blood. I mean, they haven't drafted a good corner since <laughs> I mean, gosh, yeah. it might be since Ike Taylor. They've drafted a good corner. Um Yeah, been, and I think you know, they just
2: lost Sutton as well. And
1: Sutton, yep, yeah. Sutton got paid by the Lions. And so, um, you know, Levi Wallace is certainly not going to hold it down <laughs> yeah. by himself. So um, the fact that he fell to 32 was just crazy and 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 awesome <laughs> to me as a Steelers fan. Because, I mean, uh, you know, some people would mock Joey Porter Jr. going to the Steelers at 17. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. for them to, to not only get him, but get him with their second yes. pick um, is great. And then obviously, you know fortifying that offensive line um you know the patriots kind of screwing the jets with that trade for the steelers to move up uh that was you know billichick you know there were some motives there i'm sure but i mean overall i mean then you know darnell washington was you know if he can stay healthy yeah he was one of
2: the steals of the draft
1: he's gonna be a steal if he can stay healthy so i mean top to bottom they did a really good job i mean really good job in free agency i mean they didn't really make any splash moves. I mean, Patrick Peterson's a big name, but obviously not what he used to be. Um, but they they did a good enough job in free agency to where they could pretty much just do best available in the draft. And that's exactly what they needed. I mean, for all the stuff that was made about drafting Pickett last year, I felt like this year's draft was probably the most important Steelers draft since 04 um, when they got Ben. So... I mean, I thought they killed it, and obviously that's just on paper. This is all hypothetical, but, I mean, overall, if, if you know, half these guys perform as they're supposed to, then very, very successful draft, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I
2: like what the, you guys are building there. Not, you know, happy to see that as a Ravens fan, obviously, <laughs> but I will say that y'all started – I feel like Najee, uh, Najee Harris started to pick up some steam, Um towards the end of the year. I know he battled some injury last year, but I remember the, I was at the Ravens and Steelers game live. And I remember um, Najee just five yard carry after four yard carry after five, And he was just uh, kind of wearing out our defense. And that was with kind of a subpar offensive line. And now that you guys, you know, get a tackle and then you get one of the best blocking tight ends out of the draft, probably the best uh, blocking tight end. And then you have some more defense. it goes, Back to that kind of that kind of Steelers mentality, like we're gonna be physical, we're gonna run the ball, we're gonna play good defense. Um, obviously, some great pieces on defense still with um, Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, of course Watt. So yeah, Steelers are building something special. I think it's just a and a factor of how good Kenny Pickett can be, right? And and it
1: kind of eliminates the excuse of of any any poor run game. Because the, right. the run game for the Steelers, I mean, they that's kind of what they've tried to go to the past couple of years. Um, and it's just been terrible. The offensive line's been terrible. They've not truly invested really anything in it um, since, you know, Pouncey and DeCastro and, and those guys uh, retired. Um, right. And so now th- there's no excuse now. I mean, I know, you know, people want to make a lot about Matt Canada. Matt Canada wants to run the ball. And now they've given guys to him that will allow him to do that. Um, we can still make of, of what we want with the, with tickets kind of progression and, and the passing game. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot to complain about there, but at the end of the day, this team should be able to just go out and run right at people. And, you know, in today's league, is that a way to have great long-term success to an extent? It is going to, I think Pickett's going to end up being the key of, you know, can they make the playoffs? Can they even win a playoff game? Um, that's that's a long ways away from from <laughs> from kind of being able to predict. I mean, we'll see. You can generally tell with these these rookie quarterbacks, they get to their second year. I mean, we saw with Trevor Lawrence get to game about you know you hit the twenty game mark, you should be making a jump. So right. I think within the first month, we'll we'll pretty much be able to tell with Pickett how far he can take the Steelers because the run game. Should be there without a doubt, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I so you guys pretty much covered the Steelers really well there. Apparently, my mock draft did have Joey Porter Jr. outside of the first round. So, if I'd have thought about it and done the second round, uh, I would have I been really upset even earlier. Would have been like, oh, okay, Joey Porter Jr. to the Steelers that sucks for me, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, two more teams that I really liked uh, what they did the Seahawks with their two picks, they they kind of nailed they kind of nailed that. Uh, they decided that they didn't want Jalen Carter, which is which seems fine. I'm a, a lot of times I'm like, oh, you know, he's got character issues, but you get this guy with the right team and in the right situation. Things might be fine. That might be fine for Jalen Carter, but th- there does seem to be some issues there. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he ended up going to the Eagles, which is the other team that I, I wanted to mention. But the, the Seahawks, Devin Witherspoon at the fifth pick, and... Jackson Smith and Jigba the twentieth pick was really good for them. That's a they have a really good set of three uh, three wide receivers now, and two top corners with him and two, with uh, Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen, and the Eagles got Jalen Carter.
1: <laughs> they can't keep getting away with this. They can't fair get
0: away with this man. And then they get Nolan Smith with the thirtieth pick, adding it's two disgusting. more Georgia Bulldogs. They get Keely Ringo in what the fourth round. Another Georgia guy, and then just got, we're gonna talk about some losers in this draft. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to call a team a loser before their draft picks have touched the field, but the the Lions were such losers. Yeah. Oh,
2: man, they couldn't. They <laughs> taking, they taking it up, man. Jameer
0: Gibbs with the twelfth pick when apparently they were considering taking B. John Robinson with the sixth pick, and uh, you know they. Didn't think that uh, Jameer Gibbs will get to the uh, the 18th pick, which is certainly possible. Apparently, the Jets were considering taking. I don't buy it. No uh, way. Brad Holmes was calling a lot of people this week to do a lot of water carrying for him. Yeah. To be like, no, listen, this is why we did. We're just trying to rationalize in the media. (laughs) Yeah. Because taking Jameer Gibbs with the 12th pick. After Bijan Robinson went eighth to the Falcons, and then Jack Campbell with <laughs> the 18th pick, the most Iowa linebacker name you've ever heard, and a, from an Iowa linebacker, and it's like, why you didn't need to do that? Yeah, and it's yeah I mean... Brian Branch in the second round, which made up for it. But it's like, it's one of those drafts, <laughs> like the Ravens in 2018, where you hear Hayden Hurst, Lamar Jackson, and Mark Andrews as the first three picks. And you just kind of have to do some mental gymnastics in your brain to be like, <laughs> all right, Lamar was the first round pick, Andrews was the second round pick, Hayden Hurst was the third round pick. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> you know it's funny we talked about the uh, the Lions and the Seahawks at length uh, with Derek Classen talking about how these are two teams that that have decent draft capital, um, really solid draft capital. They they overachieved for for what we thought they would, and they could both go and a certain direction where, you know, with the Seahawks, it, it's, you need to trust Geno. I think he's proved, I mean, he it was a whole season and he was great. You gave him money. It's time to invest in that team. Let's just try to win now. Pete Carroll is getting old. Like, just go for it, right? Like, like improve that team yeah. as much as you can while, while you still can. And you clearly, I mean, you're, you're a playoff team. And they did that. I thought the Seahawks killed it on the side of the lions, we talked about, well, this is a good team, but Jared golf is clearly not going to be the long-term guy of the future. He's been solid. Don't get me wrong. But you know, maybe if you, if you, if you have a quarterback that you might be able to draft, you might want to do that. Um, but don't blow it up. You still have a solid team and both those teams just went in complete opposite directions. I have no clue what, <laughs> like, what are we doing there with if the with the Lions? I mean, there's no there's no good explanation. I mean, they they can come out in the media and say whatever they want. I mean, that's that's just a
2: foolish draft. And when it's yeah.
1: obvious on draft night, I mean, come on, man.
2: You guys know how you get you know if you're doing a fantasy draft, how you can set it to auto draft. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's what the Lions should have done and they would have come out with a much better uh, draft class here. But it's just funny because I totally agree with you. I think the Lions, I was looking at the NFC and I was like, bro, the Lions, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions were in the NFC Championship next year, before the right. draft. I was like, they got they got two first round picks. They, you know, they had a strong run game last year. They got Aiden Hutchinson and some some hits from last year's draft. Like this could be a team and a very weak sauce NFC that emerges, and then I was like, man, they just bombed it. But I will say I see I see – I like the players they drafted, just not where they drafted them. Like, I love Jack Campbell. Um, he was my favorite linebacker in this year's draft class. Um, and I like Gibbs. I just thought Gibbs would be a late first round, early second. Um, no – like, he would have been there at 17 if they would have stuck and picked there. Um, and it kind of goes back – what's the name of their head coach there? Um, Dan Campbell. So – I saw a joke that Campbell was like, "Oh, he's got the same last name. We got to take him." I'm like, <laughs> and Jack. But I also I'm like count that out. <laughs> yeah, I think that with their identity, his whole. You guys remember his like introductory press conference? Like, we're gonna bite your ankles and we're gonna oh, yeah. stomp on your foot. Like they want to like. I'm, I'm thinking about old school football. Like linebackers and running backs used to be drafted much earlier, and I'm like, yeah. maybe <laughs> he just has that mentality where he's like all right, we're going to punch you in the mouth. We're going to have this big imposing linebacker here, and we're going to freaking run the ball and try to stop us. So I Weird. see I, <laughs> I see the direction, like maybe maybe their thought process, process behind it, but it's like you can't take two of the you know most devalued positions in football in the first round like that in a year that you really had a chance to kind of take the, the NFC by a storm. Listen, the yeah. lines
1: are going. lines are going to dominate the nineteen eighty three NFC Central. Don't get, don't be mistaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I like Dan Campbell
0: more than a lot more than I do most. Uh, addicted to, addicted to, football speak. Uh, guys, like they, they can only speak in, uh, just cliches. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing about their draft that I that, that I didn't like, like it's just. None of they had four top forty-five picks, not just two first-round picks. They tra- they did that trade back and they got the thirty-fourth overall pick from the Cardinals. Which, by the way, the Cardinals got the Texans' uh, first-round pick next year. Which now, if you go by just the Vegas odds of like who's most likely to have the 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 worst records in the league, the Cardinals are projected to have the first and second picks in the draft. So which, is wild, <laughs> which boy did they need them? But anyway, uh, so like. They take look at the Seahawks for example. They take an outside boundary corner, fifth overall, and then at number twenty they take a receiver, a slot receiver, sure, but a receiver. One of the premium positions. I think you can call the premium positions, quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, corner receiver. Yeah. So, like those are the positions that you want to have your premium, like top paid guys at. And instead, the Lions with top with four top forty five picks went with. A running back, an off-ball linebacker, a tight end, and a either nickel back or safety, whatever you <laughs> want to call Brian Branch, yeah. which is just like you could have had at the that, that's even at the twelfth pick after that trade down. Lucas Van Ness was the next pick. Roger Jones, the two corners went right after Emmanuel Forbes and and Christian Gonzalez. At, right after 18, you could have picked any of the wide receivers. They were literally all on the board. Instead of Sam Laporta at number 34, you could have taken – I mean, you could have taken Michael Mayer. I mean, geez, he was at least the best tight end of the draft. You could have taken Jonathan Mingo, a wide receiver. You could have, at number 45, taken the guy that the Patriots took at the very next pick, Keon White, the defensive end, an edge rusher. Yeah. So, like, that could have been – you could have added four guys to premium positions just around what with, with you drafted. But goodness, like –
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe those
0: guys will pan out and be good, but like you could have gotten a lot like you got a lot more bang for your buck.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think kind of going back to what also you were saying about uh, the Texans draft with with Stroud at number two. I will say in my mock I picked me and my friend have a a competition where every year we pick all the first round picks and then we see who got the most right. And he beat me this year but I will say I crushed the first three picks. Okay. I did not buy any of the smoke about, you know, the Texans are, aren't in love with Stroud or any of the quarterback prospects. And uh, they could be going Will Anderson at two or whatever. Like I was like, there's no freaking way. Like CJ Stroud is the best quarterback in this year's draft class. You need a quarterback. Cause Davis Mills ain't, ain't the guy. Like they're going Stroud at two. And that's what I picked. But like you said, going Will Anderson back, you know, With the third pick, that's what really shocked me. The fact that they were able to get two guys like that. And then I agree with what you said about the Eagles, man, just crushing it. They are now the Philadelphia Bulldogs because they have, uh, (laughs) from last year's draft, they have Jordan Davis. Um, You know, Basically the entire Bulldog starting defense they got. Ringo, Davis, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. Uh, They even got the linebacker last year. The um, The Kobe Dean. Yep. So, I mean, they, they got some good players. They had a heck of a draft. Um, you know, I think I think the Bengals, they had a, a low-key good draft as well. Um, I think that edge was kind of an <laughs> underrated need for them, and they got one of the better edge rushers in this year's draft than Miles Murphy. Um, they also got one of my favorite corners, uh, DJ Turner. Um, but, I mean, this the AFC North is going to be a dogfight. I mean, the Steelers got better. The Ravens got better. The Bengals got better. Uh Browns, we'll see. I don't know, man. Deshaun Watson, we'll see how that works out. But AFC North got a lot better. And I think the draft just really surprised me overall with some of the picks that were made. Yeah, whoever was uh whoever's
1: driving my by my apartment obviously did not want to hear about the Bengals. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely I definitely agree where you know it's you look at the Steelers who You know, it took some close wins, but they eked out nine wins last year. I think they can probably do – they'll probably be around that nine win, maybe ten win mark this year, even with their improvements. Mm -hmm. I think they're just going to be a grinded-out team playing a lot of close games. The Bengals are going to – you know, they seem to be in a spot where they're just perpetually going to win 11 games every year, no matter what goes wrong or right for them.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. And
1: make the divisional round. And then obviously the Ravens. Um, the Ravens did fire their their strength coach, right? Like, they they got that yes. guy out of there. Uh-huh. So yes. I mean, that, that might be the biggest move of their offseason. Thankfully. To okay. where if, you know, that truly was a problem, and obviously luck plays a huge role, but if they can stay <laughs> at least a little bit more healthy, they're going to yeah. be right there at the top. And then the Browns are just kind of the odd team out where going into last year, like, even with Watson suspended for, for a good bit of the year, they were pretty underwhelming um, and should have been a lot better for a team that, that wants to run the ball like they do. And even when Deshaun Watson came back, I mean, they were just nothing nothing impressive. And oh. I don't know what direction they go in because, I mean, Deshaun Watson, I know, you know, we've just talked ad nauseum about his whole situation and getting out of Houston and all that. But he's – I just don't know if he's, like, that great to carry a team like that. To be quite honest, he might He's not really be good, but like, I, I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I, he might've lost a little bit of confidence too, man. You know, yeah, I, think quor- I think confidence that. at quarterback is so important.
0: The time, the time he, had, he took a whole year off basically. Yeah. Like, and then got suspended like on top of it. Like he might've missed a year and a half of football. Like if I remember correctly, like yeah. it was, guy, and he- it's tough to come back from that. And this, I mean, it's, Listen, it's the Browns.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's true. More... They are cursed, exactly. And I think to <laughs> Sean Watson also, like talking about the time missed. I mean, that alone is bad enough. Um, and then you you pile the injuries into there as well that he's had because he's had some pretty serious injuries. He's torn both
0: ACLs. One yeah, of them was I mean, in college. People forget
1: that <laughs> he. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he does he has relied on his athleticism a good bit to to help him make plays out of the pocket. And that's just going to decrease over time. Yeah. Um, He's He's always had an issue with holding the ball too long too. He is. I mean, he's probably assuming the Browns kind of keep their current identity going. I mean, he's going to probably have to just turn into like a a good play action passer (laughs) When when it's all said and done. I mean, this, this decline, I mean, we'll see. He played football and now have a pretty normal off season, but, I just don't know. The Browns just find a way to to be worse than they should be.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm not buying them. I I, I don't I'm not seeing it. But that's man, that's more football talk than I was expecting us to, to really get out of. We really uh, we hammered it home. That was uh it's good work here, fellas. Uh we have got any any last closing thoughts on the draft? Well actually, well shoot. Um. Hey, the Shepherd players are in the NFL now. Probably hey. Uh. So none of them got drafted. Um. Uh, which was disappointing. I think we all pretty much thought that Joey Fisher was going to get drafted. Uh, yeah. Of uh of Clear Spring High School, where Noah grew up for a good bit of time before before moving uh closer to us. But uh, he didn't get drafted. Tyson didn't get drafted. There was a there was I mean. Sean Clifford got drafted. Yeah, Sean that was, Clifford. That he, was pretty. He got, he got drafted like top 150 by the Packers too, which is incredible. Um, it really was. But in the end, Hey, so they all ended up with teams big, the big four uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Joey Fisher ends up signing a deal with San Francisco. Go to the 49ers, Tyson Bagent to the bears, which was our official prediction. If you listen to last, last week's little mini show that I did. And we talked about it a lot because I mean, I think even his dad mentioned a good bit that uh, the, they talked to the bears, the bears offensive coordinator was head coach of the senior ball team. He was on, he got a nice personalized letter from Luke Getze himself uh, with his draft hat when it was shipped to him. Like some teams shipped draft hats to him. Uh, I think he's got a good shot to make that roster. We can get into that in a second, but first, uh, Ronnie Brown signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Brian Walker's a Baltimore Raven. That's a that's fun stuff right there. So, Ryan, what, what how'd you
1: how'd you feel about our Rams and before I get into my my thoughts and whatever Noah has to throw in? Yeah, we've been talking for a really long time now about Tyson potentially getting drafted. Um, he he honestly had a a real rough draft to come into. I mean, there were just so many quarterbacks getting drafted. I mean, you you figure if if this is a year ago, he probably solidly goes in that sixth round, but um, just, it's just a ton of quarterbacks getting drafted this year. So that sucked, but obviously he was signed real quick um, priority free agent to the bears, which I'm looking forward to um, seeing his journey there. Joey Fisher had a lot of momentum this off season. Um, You know, obviously his pro day, went semi-viral in the NFL circles, all his his bench-pressing acumen. Um, you know, and even, I think, uh, I believe Mel Kiper had him in his mock draft of going 100-something. I can't remember what like it was. Like exactly. Yeah, like he was pretty up there. So I, at that point, I'm like, well, this guy, you know, he's getting drafted. Yeah. I did so try much. to temper
0: people's expectations on that on last week's episode and say a lot. I think that mock draft, a lot of times, those especially like multi-round mock drafts, guys like Mel Kiper are throwing names in at the end just to get them on your on your radar. Essentially, he's not he's. Yeah. And he, it was one of those where he was alternating picks with Todd McShay, so it wasn't like a full-on. This is my prediction of the first three rounds. It gotcha. was. I, towards you get towards the end of that, it was definitely in my mind. It was a thing like, hey, this guy Joey Fisher is getting talked about. D two offensive lineman. Just look out for his name in, in the draft in
1: general. So,
0: And that's why I thought he would get drafted, like, you know, fifth round. But yeah. it ended up happening.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's disappointing to not be able to, you know, say you were drafted, hear your name announced and all that good stuff. But, I mean, these guys were signed up immediately, um, you know, getting that undrafted free agent priority, free agent bag, a couple of them. I mean, it was good to see. You know, even Ronnie Brown gets signed up as fast as he did. Yeah. Um, they they kind of close all that stuff pretty quickly after the draft on Saturday. So um, just to see all them find a home and, you know, we'll get into, I believe, a, I think it's the priority guys will be able to get into rookie mini camp, Is that right? And then the, the other undrafted free agents may or may not get invited. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that's kind of how that goes usually. And then I'll obviously we'll get into that. training camp and – See how far these guys go, and um, you know that that's we we've finally reached the next step. I mean, we have teams to look at and kind of rosters to look at. See where there might be some holes these guys can sneak up in there because obviously it's an uphill climb being an undrafted guy, but it's it's not entirely uncommon, yeah, for undrafted guys to make rosters. I mean, you see the Ravens had
2: a streak for a long time where an undrafted guy made the roster. Uh, I think. It was a year or two ago, Dylan, that it finally broke or didn't have an undrafted guy make the roster. But I mean, we had Josh Ross, uh, Patrick McCurry, the offensive lineman, uh, Michael Pierce, you know, some bigger names, some guys that, you know, have really panned out. I think Joey, I really did expect Joey to get drafted um, with especially like his name kind of starting to be on the radar more with the, like you said about the combine, the strength and the bench reps. And um, I I I guess what hurt him the most was uh, since he was more projected as a guard due to the size and he played tackle um, at a lower level of competition compared to a lot of the prospects is I wonder if teams were questioning how the switch from tackle to guard would go, you know, paired with the, you know, lower level of competition might've hurt him a little bit, but, I would have loved to see. I I I definitely thought Joey was going to get drafted. Yeah,
1: I think we're on agreement there. Um, You know, and obviously, if he if he ended up, you know, jumping up into that fifth round, that would have been just that would have been the coolest thing. Um, But you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, At the end of the day, the where the a lot of them would have been drafted versus being, you know, a free agent. The money's not going to be super different. Which, you know, <laughs> thank you yeah. for that for them. Uh, cause you know, at the end of the day, you got to get that NFL bag because even the the smallest of the small NFL contracts are still very, very solid money, yeah, to, to, yeah. to anybody. So, um, you know, happy for all those guys, and I'm excited to see kind of where it takes them here. And you know, I, I think that just goes to show what Shepherd's losing on offense. Uh, you know, we can get into Shepherd football at some point, we got a whole summer to go here but um you know four guys being signed to the nfl like that that goes to show that there's some holes to fill so
0: right from what i'm reading and this is the sense that i got was that essentially a priority free agent is essentially just it's it's a pr term for an undrafted free agent um as opposed Mm -hmm. to a guy that's only invited to the rookie mini camp Like, I've seen starting like today and the last few days that there's been guys say, This guy's been invited to this team's rookie mini camp, but they haven't signed him. Priority free agency is essentially just you got you went undrafted, and it's a priority that we get you guys, you get you on the you know into the rookie mini camp on the roster, essentially. So that's kind of what I figured that it was. So, so that means that these guys are. On the roster, they would have to be cut, you know, to no longer be on the team, as opposed to a, a rookie mini camp tryout. They weren't given tryouts; they were given contracts huh. the, you know, such and such amount of guaranteed money. Like Joey Fisher's, it was, it was tweeted out by Aaron Wilson was one hundred well, uh, <laughs> and thirty million dollars. Whoa, one hundred and thirty thousand guaranteed. He's not getting if, if Joey Fisher nothing a to large sneeze at, money, man. That'd be that'd be fun, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> he got the Lamar money,
0: <laughs> but I think Joey, without knowing too much about the 49ers offensive line depth, has a pretty solid chance to make their roster. Um, I would be beyond shocked if Brian Walker made the fifty-three man roster of the Ravens. Yeah, as much as I like B-Walk, he's a great guy. Maybe a practice
2: squad, you know?
0: Yeah, he could. Yeah, maybe practice squad. Um, but. You know, b walks a great guy. I like him as a player. Fifty. I mean, it's the Ravens and their tight ends. They already get, got like three or four of them that they you know that they have and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> Ronnie Brown. I haven't looked at the, the, the Tampa Bay depth chart. He sounds like a uh, practice squad guy to me. Perhaps.
2: They're not too deep at running back right now. Their yeah. guy they drafted last year is slated as their number one back last year. And I think they drafted him in the third round.
0: Yeah, Rashad White, Chase yep. Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn, Patrick Laird, and then they drafted Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, I believe, and then they signed Ronnie. So that's that's their six running backs they have right now. So I mean, Ronnie puts up you know some some good stats in preseason, perhaps then maybe he gets a run, but um, I think he more more likely that he ends up on a practice squad or perhaps gets cut, goes to a practice squad, then gets picked up by the XFL or USFL when spring rolls around. I can see the same thing for Brian Walker. Um, And then when it comes to Tyson is the most interesting one because quarterback battles are between such few players. The Bears, it's a good landing spot for him. Obviously, they have Justin Fields starting. Then it gets interesting because they signed P.J. Walker this offseason. Was the backup in one of the backups in Carolina, and including you know won a game for the Panthers on a hail mary yeah. through DJ Moore uh, against the Falcons in Atlanta. So I think PJ Walker has a pretty good chance to be the QB two uh, with how he plays. I think you know he's gotten reps as a starter. Uh, the other guy who has gotten NFL reps as a, as a uh, starter. <clears throat> It's Nathan Peterman. Uh, Get him so, out of here. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot of faith in Tyson Bajant. I have no faith in Nathan Peterman as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> just put it out there right now. That's not to say um, I could beat out Nathan Peterman if I tried hard enough. <laughs> but I have some faith that Tyson can do it. It might end up where well, we've talked about how there's now the three quarterback active on your game day roster every week rule. So, but that doesn't mean that you have to keep three guys on your 53 man roster. It means that you can call up a guy on game day from the practice squad as your 54th player, essentially emergency quarterback. You have to have three active, but one of them can be from the practice squad. I think it's, there's a pretty solid chance that Tyson could get cut, sign to the practice squad, and he's active 17 games for the for the Chicago Bears. And if PJ Walker were to say get hurt, they sign him to the active roster. I that's kind of what I would expect and I think if let's say Nathan Peterman beats out Tyson, they decide they should, either going to keep three guys active on the 53 man or they're going to sign Nathan Peterman to the practice squad. Someone else is going to sign Tyson to their practice squad he's he's too good, he's too talented, he's too smart, he's too, like, he's got that football mindset, the guy, we talked about it before, you get Tyson in the inter- room, interview room, football coaches are going to love him. And I think one way or another, he ends up, on, He could we could see him be active for every game of the season, for some team. I think the Bears like him. I think that the, there's that senior bowl connection, I, I, I kind of see him... Winning that battle with Nate, we know what Nathan Peterman is. We yeah. don't know what NFL NFL quarterback Tyson Bajan looks like yet.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say there's plenty you know of guys worst? who are you know unproven.
0: What he, at, what he probably is at worst, Nathan Peterman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, gonna say there's plenty of guys who are unproven in the league, but Nathan Peterman is proven to be bad. Terrible. Like why do we why do we keep <laughs> him around? Like at least give yourself someone who might be good. <laughs> Right, that's yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, good, get good, good job to them. Good, the guys they got signed. They're getting some money, even if they don't stick around in the roster. They got some money out of playing football. They officially,
1: yeah. Got... And there's and there's two, two other leagues behind them. Um, yep. I mean, if, if it doesn't work for Ronnie, Ronnie should go to the XFL. And like, I think Ronnie could probably Brown would start light up
0: the USFL or the XFL. Not even
1: gonna lie. Yeah, so I think they're they're in good shape there. So good for them, the Rams.
2: They're yeah, man, here. they're gonna get to tell their grandkids one day, "Daddy was a, a Chicago Bear or whatever." You know, you never, you know, yep. you oh, take yeah. that with you. You gonna have Absolutely. pictures of practice.
0: Yep, and Tyson and Tyson's kids are gonna get their granddad to say, "Yeah, I was better than all of them, though." <laughs> yep,
1: yep. <laughs> yeah. And then if you know listen, if, if these any of these guys do get active on game day, maybe if if they get into an actual game, get snaps, get a few photos of that, frame them up at the uh, Shepherd uh, field house there and bring some recruits through and be like, hey, man, this could be you. Oh yeah, we got guys out there in the league, so
0: Okay, now I can't stop imagining t- Travis Bajan being your granddad. I just, <laughs> I just, like, he has such, like, big, like, strong dad or uncle energy that it's just, like, what what does granddad, granddad be look like?
2: <laughs>
0: I, that's just very interesting to me. Anyway, uh, I think that's about all the football talk we can get out of this. Uh, Noah, thanks for coming on with us.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. It was fun.
0: Yeah. So, tell tell our people one more time uh where we can find you uh, what just any any shout outs you want to give before before we let you head out
2: yeah man so uh i have a baltimore ravens youtube channel um pretty much daily content like we talked about earlier um uh, it's called for the flock f-o-r-t-h-e and then flock uh just search it on youtube you should be able to see it on there and then uh on twitter um uh, for the flock as well so um, definitely, it's fun to be on here, guys. I appreciate you guys.
1: I appreciate it. It's awesome, of course. Yeah, love to get you back.
2: All right, for sure, guys. Definitely. Yep.
0: Well, now that that guy's gone, we can talk about some <laughs> real talk. The New York Knicks are
1: back. They are back. Oh my gosh, what a! Uh, I don't know when our last show was. I don't know what. I don't know what point we were at.
0: Um we... I feel like the last time we talked about basketball the playoffs had not started yet. The yes, play-in I mean... might have happened.
1: So the Knicks beat the Cavs in 5 games. They I mean they dominated that series. They had one it was the second quarter of game 2 they got totally blitzed. Uh but outside of that they they were the better team in pretty much every single quarter of that series. Uh the Cavs did not show up. <laughs> Like Donovan Mitchell, disappointing, um, Jared Allen and Mobley, like they, they were a non-factor, uh, Garland was wildly inconsistent, mostly on the bad side. Like the, the Cavs just, they, I don't know if it was inexperience or what, but, um, certainly not the series I expect. I thought that'd go six or seven games, but the Knicks just came in and handled business. Um, R.J. Barrett picked it up last couple games as well. Uh, they just they did the thing. It was very nice. It was pretty stress-free, honestly. After game one, um, not too much stress. So that was cool. But now we're moved on to the Miami Heat and the Eastern Conference semifinals. And it's been a weird couple of games. Uh, the first game, Julius Randle was out with an ankle injury. Uh, Knicks could not shoot the ball for anything. Uh, Jimmy Butler, who really carried them through the Bucs series, was good, but wasn't the deciding factor um, in that game. The Heat just played overall a really good game. Um, and then Jimmy Butler, at the end of the game, hurt his ankle. He was out last night. Julius Randle came back. And the Heat just continued to play really solid team basketball. I mean, uh, Max Strus, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Kevin Love, those guys were all shooting the ball pretty well. Um, Really above their season average. Uh, They're playing really good complementary team basketball. Their defense has really impressed me. I know the Knicks, specifically guys like Quickley and Grimes, have really been slumping shooting the ball. I know there were times Josh Hart last night was hesitant to shoot, though he came through in the end with a couple clutch threes. Um, But the Heat's team defense has been extremely – Aggressive, which we know they like to do all season. But they've been super disciplined. Um, like, there's just not many times you see, you know, any any type of broken play, missed assignment, like guys kind of falling asleep on defense. Just hasn't happened. Um, so they've, they've made the Knicks earn everything. Luckily, for the Knicks, the mid-three came through. Brunson, Randall, and, and Barrett last night to, to eke out the win. I really thought they would – win that a little more comfortably or at least look better in the win than they did, um, but that's just, you know, cursed Knicks basketball for you. Uh, I assume Jimmy Butler will be back on Saturday for game three, but we'll see. Feels like a game the Heat should win coming home for it, but I just I just don't know in this series. Uh, if, if quickly comes in and suddenly he's on fire, then the series looks different if, you know, someone like Caleb Martin or Max Truce can't hit a shot, then also the series is looking different. Um, And what does Jimmy Butler look like? There's just a lot of variables um, for for both teams. And, and, you know, if you're the Knicks, you could look a lot better. Um, You could defend the three-point line certainly a lot better. And if you're the Heat, you just kind of hope these guys keep it up who really have not kept it up this season. I mean, these, you know say what you want. I mean, some of these guys are really just overperforming. You expect it from Jimmy. You expect Bam to be decent. He's been a little disappointing, but um, their role players have just completely stepped it up. So if they can keep up their shooting performances, um, the Heat should be in good shape, but I imagine the series is going six or seven regardless. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, The
0: Heat having the best player in the series uh, makes it tough when I think that the Knicks are overall the better team and the the Heat just eliminated a better team than the Knicks um, but now he's not at 100% so that makes it really interesting to see how it develops uh, we won't do our a full dive into the NBA playoffs this episode but real quick just go through kind of where we stand obviously you yeah, had Knicks and Heat Game piece, the Heat beating the Bucks in the first round after Giannis missed two games, that's going to put a pin on that. Um, the Cavs, uh, it, does the Jared Allen, Evan Mobley combination work? I, I don't know. Uh, the Celtics kind of slept walks through the the Hawks a little bit, but they got they <laughs> got it done. Uh, 76ers blew through the Nets, and now the 76ers won game one without Joel Embiid. And who who won MVP? We, <laughs> yes, who won MVP as we as we expected. Um, but now game two is tonight, and then beats back, and the Sixers have already taken one in Boston. So that's we'll see where that goes. But we'll get in the again next next episode. We'll get more into that. Um, on the West side of things, it's the Nuggets and the Suns. The Suns beating the Clippers after Kawhi got hurt again. Paul George missed the whole series all, because he was already hurt. So <laughs> where did – what are the Clippers – Where are the, come on, man. Where, where business, we need for the
1: Clippers? business as usual for the Clippers. Right. Yeah, and the, the speaking Kawhi, of business
0: of usual, yeah.
1: Yeah, the Kawhi conversation, we can get into that next time as well. I mean, at, at what point do we look at Kawhi and wonder, like, how big a role should he have when you're building a team? How much should he be getting paid
2: to yep. be on your team?
1: It's He's been – unreliable outside of that one year where he did win a championship. He's been yeah. unreliable for the past like five or six years now. <laughs> like, yeah, there's got to be, we, we got to have a conversation <laughs> when we will
0: have it. And speaking of business as usual, uh, we've gotten two games into the second round and Chris Paul's hurt. So <laughs> gosh, uh, he's going to miss three to five games and the nuggets are up two to nothing on the Suns. So that does not look good at all for them.
1: The uh, Nuggets will have to looked the Nuggets looked vulnerable along with the Grizzlies. they did who We'll get to in a second. The Nuggets looked vulnerable coming into the postseason, but so far, I give them credit they've they've looked like a number one seed. they're do- they're pretty yes. much dominating.
0: they they decided they were going to do their sleepwalking through the last quarter of the season instead of the first round like the Celtics.
1: yeah I don't hate um,
0: it. And yeah, I mean maybe they rested up and that's the, they're they're charged back up and ready to go because they look they look good and on the other side of the bracket in the west both the lower seeds won which we expected yeah. funny <laughs> enough uh the warriors in seven and the lakers in was it six
1: i think it was six. uh yeah i think it was i think six. it was
0: they're up three to one and then the grizzlies got that game five
1: um yeah they, they won in la yep
0: so and now the lakers won game one which in golden state in oakland um so, I guess they're in San Francisco now. Um, but the last thing I actually I want the one thing I want us to talk about today is the story yesterday from Shams at the Athletic when it comes to the Grizzlies, who as we as we mentioned months ago when when the John Morant suspension first came to, to be, completely unserious team. And they they were taken as seriously as they should have been. Shams. Uh, yesterday, twelve oh five. The Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. league <laughs> sources say. Man, I've never seen three words you know in an article like a, a tweet you know, about an article hurt so much. Just those. I've three never words. seen.
1: Under I've never seen anyone say that about anybody. <laughs> Under any, so what? What they are saying, right? If you're going to leave that open to interpretation, they're yeah. saying we would not bring him back if he agreed to pay play for zero dollars
0: for the veteran minimum. They yeah. would not like you could like literally wouldn't count against your salary cap. It wouldn't prevent you from making any other moves. You can do whatever you want, and then at the end of the off season, you can bring back Dylan Brooks. They say no.
1: No. Yeah, I mean, he he got... I mean, that team got embarrassed, but he especially was just the face of it. Funny enough, I've, after all is, the John Moran stuff, he was the face of their loss.
0: There has never been an I am not him moment more <laughs> obvious than Dylan Brooks. Listen, My thing with Dylan Brooks is he tries so hard to be hated. Yeah. He wants to be hated so bad and tries so hard at it. And... What See, what he wants us to do is hate him for the things he says and does, but what he actually does is gets you to hate him by how hard he's trying to make you hate him.
1: Yes. yes. And it's
0: just like it's so annoying. It's yeah, like he... I compared it. There's, there's a WWE wrestler. Any, if anyone watches or has watched recent WWE, they'll know the name Baron Corbin. And it's a guy who is a, a, a heel wrestler who people don't hate him because he's like villainous and really oh man i hate that guy i want to see i want to see him lose it's what we call x Pac heat or go away heat when he's on your television you want to turn it off (laughs) it makes you want to turn the show off when he's on it because just like this guy he's not even like compelling enough it's not like mjf uh, or, or, like The Rock back in the day, where it's like, ah, oh, oh, man, this guy, oh, he's so dastardly, but ah, oh, man, you got to respect him. No, I have no respect for Dylan Brooks. He's terrible <laughs> at basketball and he's annoying and he's a dirty player. If you remember, he injured Gary Payton the second or uh, last year in the playoffs and on a dirty play, a flagrant foul. And then he goes and he says, I like to poke bears. LeBron I don't I don't give respect to anybody till they drop 40 on me. And when then what happened?
1: <laughs> and then what happened? He's yeah, yeah, it's you can't be a villain when you're that bad. Like it's just not possible. Like like Draymond Green has always been a villain, but he's on a very good team and you know, you can and debate. he's one of the
0: best defensive players in the league and he's yeah, great you can passer. you can
1: make some debates now about Draymond. Does he still have it? But like at the top of his game, yeah, one of the one of the best defenders. Um
0: even Patrick Beverly is
1: more endearing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like there's it and now and then, I mean, they they do they do kind of go over the top sometimes when they get thrown out. Like it's they're creating a scene on purpose, it seems, but yeah. there's times when they're talking trash, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah, I know what I'm saying. I'm the villain. Like, Draymond Green, you know, he has a podcast, and he says stuff on there to get attention, but at the end of the day, he's he's a villain, like, at at its at his core for how he plays. Like, he's a tenacious yeah. defender. Like, that's what it, the, the, the roots are for a lot of these guys, but Dylan Brooks just isn't that in any facet of his game. Like he's not going to hit the, the shot in your face and talk trash. Like he's not going to lock you down. Um, I feel like he said something about, you know, forcing LeBron just to, to, to drive to his left. And then LeBron dro- drove to his left to hit a game winner over him. So yep, y- you include all that. And also what's, what's funny to me is, you know, talking about Draymond, um, if we want to compare villain characters Draymond Green very openly loves LeBron James and appreciates his greatness.
0: See, the thing the thing with uh, for me, for Dylan Brooks, is with, with Draymond, at the very least, you can tell that he's 100% being himself, and that's just who he is, and it's very yes. organic, and yes. you might not like it, but it's like he's he's just being 100% Draymond, I and mean, Patrick is the same way. Dylan Brooks is faking it so bad. He just is doing it for the. He's like, I'm gonna make myself a name in this league by being one of those guys that everybody hates.
1: And it's like, dude,
0: like these guys aren't trying; they just are hateable,
1: (laughs) right? Like, we could hate John Morant pretty easily right now, after all the the nonsense he's pulled. But we we kind of I feel like as a as a society we don't because you've just kind of stolen all of his, oh, you've stolen his valor of being hated. (laughs) Um, he's also given John Moran a
0: real big break for how, he, how much he had to do with the fact that they went out sad in the first round of the two 100%. seed, because Jock, ja, he can't really shoot. Um, and he kind of like, you know how teams would do build the wall against Giannis
2: yeah. in the
0: half, half court. So it's like, well, if you can't get out in transition, uh, you know, you're not going to score a whole lot of points, not as many points at least. Like the Heat did a really good job of that against uh, Giannis the last few years. Mm-hmm. Teams basically can do that same thing to Jaw, except Jaw can't also be Defensive Player of the Year on the other end and grab 12 rebounds a game and like six assists like, like, like Giannis does and still be like 6'11, 250 and power up like 25 points just through sh- sheer will and strength. Jaw can't do that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean there's I, there's people and it, it's usually in bad faith, but it's a talking point with a certain level of merit when you do look at the numbers of, you know when you look at these MVP guys, a lot of them tend to you know make their team better, not only by being out there because obviously they're a great player, they bring lots of value and Jaw does that. He scores lots of points. Um, he's exciting. But when you really look at this, the, the little things they do that make their team better to bring value, Jaws kind of the superstars in that regard. Well, like, it was such a, like you, you know, said, it, with the defense was, and rebounding, and like he, he's, you know, he doesn't distribute the ball like some of these other great players do.
0: No, it's, I mean, there was that talking point of last year of when John Morant was missing all those games of how many games you know, how good the Grizzlies record was without John Morant. And a lot of times it's that, you know, like Ewing theory, or it's like, oh, this kind of like, um, you know, fluke thing, which it very well may could could be. But I think there's merit to the idea that when John Morant's out, they plug in Tyus Jones at point guard, who is really good, would be a starting point guard on most teams. Uh, he can shoot the ball a bit, and he's a really good distributor of the ball really good facilitator playmaker and it opens up the spacing even more because you don't have to sag off of you can't sag off of tyus jones like you do job opens it up for guys like desmond bain and jaron jackson and you know dylan brooks whenever he decided he would make some shots but that didn't happen this year um and it just there's a little bit more merit to it than there would be normally. We should also mention, like, obviously the Grizzlies were missing Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. Basically their top two centers. So that, that's part of it, sure. But still, unserious team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, they'll, they'll probably just run it back next year. They'll probably try to plug and play and, and do their thing. But, um, you know, they're clearly very flawed. A great regular season team for the most part and that's kind of about it at this point I mean it's very Utah
0: Jazz-ish with like Donovan Mitchell and Gobert
1: you know yeah I mean it's they're gonna have to do the thing the Bucks did with Giannis where it's like every move you make pretty much has to be a direct complement to his game and to make up for certain things he can't do um and I mean to an extent I mean they have they have a pretty good defensive team overall like they do a lot of those things, but you're really going to have to rework that roster to make it work for him as great as he still is. I mean, I don't think we're saying he's a bad player by any means. No. He's, a, no. Freak. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's probably all like NBA one one. player. Yeah. He's a one of one athlete in the NBA when you look at, consider his size and everything. Um, he's, he's box office, like they say. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they got to figure some things out there. Um, because, like you mentioned, I mean, I think it might have gotten a little bit forgotten, but it's the, the Grizzlies were really good when he was out. <laughs> like, yeah. and you know, I think you can also attribute that. I think we saw with the Heat a little bit last night, where if you have a team that's pretty well coached um, and they are forced to play good team basketball, it can pay dividends. To an extent. Yeah, and
0: sometimes you know, sometimes it's just like teams aren't really prepared for what you're gonna do without your best player. Like your strategy yeah. is gonna change a lot, and teams not really gonna know what's coming. For and yeah, you know, the ball doesn't
1: stop. Like yeah, there's 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 upside to it, but at the end of the day, if they want to compete and contend, which they you know, the goal should be to contend and get to the the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals at the very least for that team and what they they're capable of you have to find a way to make that work with Ja in the lineup putting up his you know 25 30 points a game you just got to make it work but that's not you my know, job to to make it work for him so good luck <laughs> yeah it, i when i said
0: it i didn't realize how much the comparison might work to the Utah Jazz with with Mitchell and Gobert cuz you think about it Gobert defensive player of the year Jaron Jackson defensive player of the year this year and John Morant and Donovan Mitchell both you know, top elite level athletes who have some limitations to their game and don't quite hit that absolute top level of a guy like, you know, Damian Lillard, LeBron, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, and a great regular season team, those Utah Jazz teams. And then they would consistently get knocked out by teams with the elite level wing players that could put up 30 in a game like a you know Luca Kawhi LeBron and that would probably happen against a team like uh Denver with Jokic too. So
1: yeah, if you're the uh if you're the Grizzlies just don't look at what the Jazz Gobert or Donovan Mitchell will finish the season with. Just don't Don't worry about it. Don't worry about playoff wins. Don't worry about overall season record. Just do your own thing and try to figure it out. (laughs) Do not copy what they did. Right. Yeah.
0: Or just take a very long, hard look at how the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert Utah Jazz era ended. (laughs) Yeah. That might be what you want to do. And just be like, we do not want to be that. Uh, It's (laughs) Realize it now that you're a lot more like that than you probably want to be. And figure something out. Because Jared Jackson's a lot different than Rudy Gobert. He's a lot quicker, more laterally. He can shoot three pointers, uh, a little bit. And you've got guys like Brandon Clark. And de- the the Jazz did not have a be- a Desmond Bain with the- to go along with Mitchell and Gobert at right. the very least. They had Mike Conley and Bogdan Bojan Bogdanovich, which is not not the same. <laughs> um. So so. Uh... Yeah, so what they're probably going to do is just get rid of Dylan Brooks and say, yeah, that was the problem. They'll replace him, <laughs> they'll replace him with some, like, very like replacement-level wing 3 and D kind of guy. And we'll just have the same thing happen next year, except we'll probably get, like, a playoff game or a play-in game or just a regular season game where Dylan Brooks on his new team uh, – Beats the Grizzlies by locking up Jaw in the last minute of the game and forcing them to miss a shot.
1: Oh man! Because
0: Dylan Brooks is a good defender. He's he's not like elite or anything. i not, not a Marcus Smart, but he's a good defender.
1: See now, that that's when that's when he turns. That's his evolution. That's when I think it'd be funny to root for him. Yeah, that's when he's <laughs>
0: just I mean, he's just Pat Bev at
1: that point. Yeah, yeah there we go. He's got. A, I mean, you know, Pat Bev. How many years does he have left? Not many. No. So. We gotta move. On. We gotta find the next one. Right. Yeah. Certainly a downgrade, though. You've got
0: time for a babyface turn there, uh, Dylan. There you go. Not
1: too late. No. Before he goes late. and plays for the uh, Shanghai Sharks.
0: He wants a big contract. He said no. He also apparently he wants a he wanted a bigger role is what he said. He says, said, like, "Oh, just being a three and D guy. I want to be able to do more than that, buddy. If you want to do more than that, start learning Chinese."
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just saw in a sports center, uh, it was a uh, press conference with Sauce Gardner. And the headline I, yes. at the bottom, you saw the same thing. <laughs> I sat saw near it. actress Jessica Alba at the Knicks game. <laughs> and it he was like did a not full know minute who she of was. <laughs> he didn't know who she was? No. No, that was oh the thing. Oh, my
0: God. That was what the, 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 the clip was. I saw it a little earlier. Aaron Rodgers went to the game with uh, with him, and he said uh, – uh, Aaron Rodgers said to him, he said, you know, we're going to we're going to be sitting with Jessica Alba. And he was like, oh, I don't really know who that is.
1: Oh, my God. And Rogers
0: looked at him like he was crazy, which is like, yeah. You,
1: should you know, know how who Alba is? You know how like wild you have to be for Aaron Rodgers to look at you like you're crazy? Now,
0: see here. <laughs> right. Now, here's the thing for me that I got was uh, the very, next thing, Sauce, it was a very Aaron Rodgers thing that happened here. As he said, basically, Aaron Rodgers spent the entire rest of the game pointing at every famous person, no matter who fam- how famous they were. They could be the most famous one and be like, so, Sauce, do you know who that is? And he'd be like, <laughs> Sauce said, he was like, yeah, no, I, it's, that's a Maurice Dottemeyer, man. I know who it is. He, just kept, he kept messing with me. And he just kept acting like I didn't know who anybody was.
1: Oh my god. And
0: I, I saw I saw that and I thought was, ah, he's getting this little first little taste of Aaron Rodgers as a as a teammate. Yeah. Yeah, you're really oh gonna love up. this, aren't you? <laughs>
1: Aaron Rodgers, man, he lives at the garden now. He's been at every single MSG sporting event since he came to the Jets. They
0: went to the Rangers game. Yeah. Rangers
1: game, but came to both Knicks games. Like, he's out here. He's I just, trying to yeah. He's trying to be a New Yorker.
0: <laughs> yeah. Except he's a California guy. Like As we all know. A- only every Californian every, wants to move to New York, and every New Yorker wants to move to LA.
1: Every real New Yorker sits courtside at the Knicks game. We all know that. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, man! What, if Aaron Rodgers gets himself into a side talk video, that's when we. Oh should.
1: man, I might have to. I might have to root for him at that point.
0: Yeah, that would be. That would be a. That would be a shift. Um, but yeah, no. I, just eh, look out, Sauce. You thought Aaron Rodgers was annoying during the next game. Just wait until you spend a whole season with him. Yeah.
1: There you go. Wait till you guys are sitting courtside at the NBA Finals. Huh? How mm. about that at MSG? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Go Rams.